Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome our new guest, Nina Durfee. How are you today, Nina? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Dan. Oh, my pleasure. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Well, I uh, this feels like the perfect opportunity to use Dan Janelle's foolproof two-sentence positioning statement. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> a fan. <laughs> I am an editor and the author of Say It Simply. Say It Simply is a do-it-yourself guidebook for speakers and coaches to write the book that enhances their visibility and credibility. And unlike other do-it-yourself books, this book contains eight essential elements to turn readers into clients. So essentially, I help speakers and coaches simplify their message, come across clear so it's easy for people to receive um, I make sure that it's clear, concise, and compelling, and uh, they, as a result, can spend more time not chasing down prospects, but serving the prospects, the, the customers that they have. Fantastic. And you were kind enough to send me a copy of your book in advance, which is uh, quite nice. It was a great read. So uh, let's start right with that. What is your number one tip for people to turn to create big business, big business card books? So the critical thing is to know what your main point is. Um, if, and by main point, the point needs to be clear and concise and compelling. The reader needs to know what they're getting out of it. Misunderstanding happens when people focus on the how instead of the what. For instance, you might think my book, uh, that the main point of my book is to, that you should write a book. But that's not the what. The what is that you're going to gain visibility and credibility when you follow my process. The how is writing a book or multiple other ways, but that's that's how I focus. So having a, a main point that is clear and concise and compelling, um, I can define those terms if you want or we can move on to whatever your questions are. Uh, we can move on. I think people understand what clear, concise, and compelling are. And if they're not, they they, they, they need some remedial help from both of us. Exactly. <laughs> I think, it, I, I think uh, we're sort of like the Reese's peanut butter cup of editing. You love to work with people on a certain level, and I love to work with them on the developmental level. Why don't you go a little bit more into how you like to work with people? So ideally... Somebody has already written their manuscript. They've worked with somebody like you who has helped them develop it. And their, their thoughts are in order. Their material makes sense as it flows. Um, and it's coming. They're, they're about to, to hit publish. But before they do that, I help to, I help to not only work with their grammar and their syntax and their, you know, make sure that they've got parallel construction and, you know, all of that hoop-de-doo, but I also help them to take what they've said and condense it so that it's more powerful. 
So for instance, one of the things, one of the ways that you can say, uh, this, is, this is a principle that I teach, um, don't bombard your readers with an excessive amount of verbiage, even if the words make you sound sophisticated and knowledgeable. <laughs> now, that's great advice in 20 words, right? But a simpler way to say that is say it simply. And that has so much more power and impact. And people so frequently use three or five words when one solid word will do. That's what I try to help them. Fantastic. You know, I'm a big fan of a piece of software called Pro Writing Aid. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it, it does a lot of the background stuff that would drive you and me crazy, uh, like using the word that too many times or just or so or those other words. But a computer can only do so much. And then there's where the human being comes in and really massages it and makes it sound like a human being actually spoke it. Because sometimes you do need those wiggle words and those glue words to make a text sound like a person spoke. But at the same time, you don't want it to be so overwhelming that it confuses. And I, I love how you just uh, can can make something sound more powerful. I think that's a, a great benefit that you offer. Now, you told us that you use your book as a big business card as well. So let's talk about some of the marketing aspects of how you use your book and how you get clients with your book, because I'm sure people would love to know some tips on how to get more business from their books. Right. Well, so one of the things is that um, I, when I first moved to Colorado, which is about three years ago, um, I knew nobody here except my son and his family. And I needed some business connections. I wanted some personal connections. But I'm kind of an introvert, and I don't just, like, go out in the street and make friends. But I did know how to go to business networking groups, and I did that. And I took my book with me, had my book in hand. And after two months of visiting a, a variety of networking groups, each time holding up my book when I said my name, um, after two months, I had five paying clients. I had two invitations to do interviews, and I had a request to do a workshop. So the book itself gives you the visibility and the credibility that you might not otherwise have. Uh, and people begin to associate that with you. Every time they see you, they see your book. So that that speaks for itself in that way. Um, in terms of, uh, I, I don't market my book as a, you know, let's get this on the bestseller list, the New York Times bestseller list or anything like that. Instead, I use the, peop I use the book uh, for people who are, for for people who are skilled writers, they can use it as a do-it-yourself guide to write their book. And ideally, once they have employed that process, they've got their manuscript, they'll bring it to me to be their editor. That's what I'm looking for. Um, for people who are not natural-born writers, but they do have, they're an expert in their field, I can coach with them and work with them to clarify their, their outline and their concepts, make sure that they've got all of these elements in their book, and um, and then again, ideally, I will be the person who edits their manuscript. So that's that's how it works for me. Great. So it's very much an in-person kind of marketing effort, even though you're an introvert. 
Exactly. <laughs> so now I would ask you how you're doing in the Zoom era, but uh, we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll be out of the Zoom era pretty soon and be back to regular networking. Um, I'm curious, do you see the same problems coming up time after time when you edit your clients? Are there any general advice and guidelines that you can share because you think it's pretty universal? Because no one has told all this stuff that you and I know because we're professional editors. Um, they just don't teach this in school. So what kind of thing, what kind of mistakes do you constantly see? So, you know, aside from grammatical stuff, um, you know, and using, well, don't get me started on sprinkling apostrophes like confetti, but, (laughs) (laughs) but one of the things that I find people tend to do is they, they sprinkle their content with empty descriptors. So I want everybody, please, to get a copy of Strunk and White's Elements of Style and to follow the sage advice that says omit needless words. And one way to do that is to kind of search and destroy every occurrence of words like very and just and great and almost any word that ends in L-Y. There are much, much more profound ways to uh, express and to... um, describe than some of the language that we use in our everyday conversation. A second thing that I find is that people over explain and I am guilty of that as well, especially when I talk, I want to make sure people understand what I'm saying. So I'll say it again in another way and maybe another way. Um, But we need to give our readers credit to get it right the first time, to understand it the first time. And the key to that is to express it in a way that that comes across clearly. Um, and it's my forte to help to help people do that. Uh, and, and like, it, I don't know if you said it or if I was maybe listening to one of your podcasts just recently uh, where we talked about um, people um, not seeing it as their as they're writing it, somebody who is um, is writing their book, they're they're so intent on getting the content down that they don't realize that they said this in chapter two, and now here it is again in chapter five, and there it is again. So so that's something, just something to watch for, um, and I do notice a lot of that. That's interesting. I actually <laughs> had a client, a developmental editing client, who told the same story three times in in his book. And obviously, we don't want to do that. I'm wondering where you stand on the idea of tell them, tell them what you told them, and well, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. What What are your feelings about that? So I think that's a great formula for a speaking engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, it it does kind of it, it does apply as you're writing a book. Um, one of the one of the ways to tell them what you're going to tell them is in your introduction. So that, you know, that's kind of a a format uh, really to, to be doing that. And I think also within each chapter uh, you've got, you know, a specific focus for each chapter that might be different from the previous chapters. Um, One of the, um, you know, there are a lot of kind of formulas or uh, almost templates that some self-help or how-to authors follow. And 
Some of them include, you know, at the end of a chapter, you know, here's a summary, boom, boom, boom. Um, that's what I told you, you know, now move on. Or here's what I'm going to tell you at the beginning and, and then do that. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. And, and that, I, if it's done well, doesn't qualify as uh, being repetitive. It's just, it's, it's just a, a formula that makes um, your content easy to digest. I agree. It, it's almost like putting in a list format at the beginning of the chapter. Here's what you will learn. Or at the end of the chapter, as in, here's what we covered or what will you do next? And it's, it's, that's a whole different thing. But I, I, like you, I've seen people do that speaker's formula of telling them, telling them, telling them. It's like, okay, enough already. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you have to hit me over the head. Uh, so that, 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 that's good. I'm glad you reinforced that. Um, what are some of the grammatical mistakes that you see time and again? Because again, people don't learn this stuff in school. And I, I worked for newspapers for many years, and I had some very talented editors who told me some things that you just said about taking out those glue words and the adverbs and such like that. Uh, we just don't realize that they're there until someone points them out. What are some some of the stupider grammatical mistakes? And grant, and, and I'm with you on the apostrophes. Uh, Oh, I hate seeing <laughs> apostrophes used incorrectly. So uh, what else would you recommend that people watch out for? Well, some people have funny styles of writing, like, you know, and you can kind of get away with stuff in a blog that you really don't want to get away with in a, in a professional book. Um, I've, I've seen people who, instead of putting a period at the end of their sentence, they'll put an ellipsis, mm-hmm. three little dots. It's like, to me, that means you're leaving something out. Am I missing mm-hmm. something? Um, you know, so that's kind of a funky thing. I also see um, it's it's very common for people to not have, I'll call it parallel construction. Um, you know, how to define that. Uh, I'm coming up with a blank here. It's like, but I, it's like, um, okay. So it's like, you're going to, you're going to delete all of this, right? Um, <laughs> these are the things, these are the things that come across in writing. It's when we start writing, like we speak that, uh, that we clutter up the content and don't come across clear in our meaning. Exactly as I'm doing now. I write gooder than I talk, I promise. (laughs) That's perfectly okay. Um, Let's see. Um, What other tips would you have for people to write better? I know you talk about clarity and such like that, but some actual examples or um, some things that you've seen that you can point to. So one of the things I think that that especially makes your, your book makes your reader receptive to what you're saying is to be careful about how you use we and you. And this is something that people mix a lot. They'll say, well, yeah, you have to do that and you have to do that. And, and, and in order for us to make this happen, we have to do that. And we have to do that. It's like be consistent about something, but be, but be careful. So if you're, if you want to say in order to have, clear communication you have to say this and you have to write this way and you have to do that that's kind of telling the person that we expect that they're probably not doing that 
Mm-hmm. So be sensitive about when to say many of us mm-hmm. as we write and are not clear, do this. And we would be better to do that. It's a slight subtle difference, but it, it engages the reader in a different way. When you, when you accuse other people of doing things wrong, but not you of doing things wrong. That makes sense. Definitely. Do you have any uh, tips on how to write case studies? How to write case studies? I don't, that's doesn't, it's not really my expertise. Okay. okay. Um, and, and in fact, one of the things that I don't do, um, I, I don't edit for statistical review. I don't do fact checking. I will, as I'm editing a manuscript, I will point out, you know, you've quoted this fact or whatever it is, be sure that it's correct. I'm not your go-to for that. I'm not your research assistant. I'm just your, I'm your copy editor. <laughs> okay, great. As we wrap up here, why don't you tell us who your perfect client is and how they can get in touch with you? So my perfect client is a speaker or a coach who is wanting to stand out in the crowd um, to be different from people who do something similar that they do. So something that distinguishes them. I help them to write what I call their signature book. That's the book that says who they are, how they operate, and it, and it delivers the information to connect them with the people who want what it is they have. Um, so the way to connect with me about that is to go to my website, ninadurfee.com, and you'll find me there. And in fact, if you like to really think about simplifying your, not just your writing, but your business and your life, uh, sign up for my free little biweekly tips to keep things simple. And, uh, and that's all on my website. Great. Thank you for visiting with us today and sharing such great ideas. Thanks, Dan. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.